right, good evening. Welcome to another episode of Cap and Trade on Twitter Spaces, episode 24. Returning with Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus. Brad joined us last week and we went over the uh, the offensive side of the football when it comes to free agency and what what could be what we could expect and what are some of the targets that Texans could be looking at and today or tonight up until about 12 hours ago, I had full intentions of doing a defensive side free agent preview, but a few things happened today that I would like to get Brad's take on before we try to get into some of the defensive side things. So, Brad, how you doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing well, just reacting to 8,000 8, different NFL news. How about you? Yes, Twitter was going way too fast. My mind cannot process it all at once. So, we'll start it off with... Well, I mean, I, I had to. I, my first thing on here was Aaron Rodgers getting paid, and I know he came out and kind of disputed with his little air, you know, quotations around signed and him playing his little word games again. But I, I, I think he's going to get that contract, whether it's that one that that Rappaport tweeted out about or some variation of that. But he's he's going to get that fifty fifty million APY with one hundred and fifty plus guaranteed, and that one. I mean, we we kind of been talking about it offline for about a week or so now, and and I'm glad to finally see that one happen because that was, as we know and as we see now, that that was the first domino that needed to fall, and and the great quarterback carousel that was about to kick off, and and Aaron Rodgers, you know this this contract, it's a huge number, but it's going to save Green Bay some some cap dollars this year, and then they'll they'll lean on the on the salary cap growing pretty heavily over the next three or four years. And it's, it sounded like it was a four-year extension or a four-year deal. And I'm sure they'll just kind of kind of go year to year on this thing, you know, and maybe tack on a void year each time they want to restructure it and things like that until they until Rodgers decides to retire and then they need to do the, the Drew Brees treatment. So what are your thoughts on the, the Aaron Rodgers news today? Yeah, you know, I'm with you. I think he's probably not pushing back on the value. It's more just pushing back on if the deal is signed. And there are, of course, other, you know, pieces to this and language they need to hammer out before they can actually sign the dotted line. But I do think he's our first $50 million per year player in the NFL. And, and I'm with him in the last part there. I think it's going to be structured in a way where it's more of a year-to-year approach that kind of gives both sides flexibility as they work through I'm sure every offseason he'll he'll flirt with retirement just to make us talk about him for a month each each offseason. So he, he gets that in his deal as well. Yes, if there's anything that we've learned that Aaron <laughs> Rodgers likes to have his name in the in the in the media and give his little time to shine, which is fine. You know, hey, if you can pull it off, then more power to you. And and you know, for the folks that are to listening in, just what we're talking about, you know, say this is a four year deal. There's probably going to be maybe one void year tacked on on this initial run, and then like next year they'll come around and they'll do the signing bonus conversion of salary to signing bonus, and then they'll add on another void year and keep spreading out that cap as much as they can until until the bill comes due. So, you know, it's it's it was only a matter of time before we hit that true 50 million mark. I know a lot of people looked at you know, looked at that on the Mahomes deal, but it really wasn't from a base value perspective. And, and that contract was kind of more viewed as a two piece contract, the first five years and the second five years. So this might be our first true market setting market, resetting 50 million, $50 million player. And, and Rogers is no, 
is is definitely been a part of the market reset. I mean, he reset it back what in 2014, 2013, 26, I can't remember. It was a relative to cap percentage, it was a huge number on his extension, his first major extension with Green Bay. And so it's not 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 a surprise to see him and his agent reset the market again. And this is just going to raise the floor for the Joe Burrows and the Justin Herberts and the Kyler Murrays of the world. And, you know, and I, as speaking on our, our next topic, and it's going to raise the floor on our Russell Wilson extension. And as we saw today, Russell Wilson traded to the Denver Broncos. It seemed like, by all accounts, I know there's a lot of good information out there from Albright and Mike Kliss and a few other folks, but it kind of sounded like, uh, Patton, who's a extreme, starting off extremely hot in in Denver with his uh, first what now twelve months, fourteen or thirteen months in Denver, right? And and he's from he's from your uh, Minnesota, where you worked with him for a little bit. Yeah, we crossed paths for a bit in twenty eighteen. Yeah, and so he's he's firing right out the gun. Had a fantastic draft class, and then and then now swinging the fences for the Russell Wilson, and Russell Wilson's traded to Denver for. You know, it sounds like two ones, two twos, a day three swap on on a four and a five. Um, shoot, what was it? It was Shelby. So then Har- it's uh, yeah, fan- Shelby Harris, who oh. actually signed. I think the first month he was there, he signed into an extension, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Uh, and then Noah Fant, their 2019 first round pick, and Drew Lock, uh, and, and good old Drew Lock. Yeah, and so it's it's interesting because that the first thing that I think a lot of Houston fans and a lot of people on this that are listening in were okay. Well, this is going to set the, uh, the bar for a potential Deshaun Watson trade. And, you know, and before we get into that, you know, like I was mentioning Russell Wilson, you know, he's, he's under contract for two more years and I'm sure he's going to be targeting that $50 million number on an extension, whether it's at the, after this year, or sometime this, or sometimes this year, but with two years left, I'd imagine it's some. It's probably something that's going to happen next year. So, before I talk about Watson, is there a, any thoughts you have on the Russell Wilson trade? You know, I do think it, it's interesting. I think Denver had to make this big move. You're not going to go into the second year of GM George Payton trying to battle with Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes. You know, with with these journeyman quarterbacks. But you look at it compared to Matthew Stafford, and and this is a big, big trade. I mean. Two firsts and a third, plus Jared Goff gets you Matthew Stafford last offseason. I'm of the opinion that Jared Goff was kind of a salary dump, so you almost say you take off of that two firsts and a third, whereas for Russell Wilson, it's this massive two firsts, two seconds, you know, three quality players, two of them still on rookie contracts, and the contract's almost the same. You know, Russell Wilson brings a two-year, $51 million contract to Denver. I think Stafford was very similar to what he brought to the Rams, so it's just... You know, I just found it interesting because I'm not certain that, you know, everyone would agree that Russell Wilson is that much better than Matthew Stafford. Yes, I I would agree with you there. And, you know, Wilson has has been a very good quarterback. I mean, he's he's broaching on that kind of top top tier type quarterback or the top of the next tier or something like that. But, you know, I think. I think by all accounts, like you said, Denver had to swing to the fences. They were they were settled. It seemed like they were kind of stuck between Aaron Rodgers and 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 Russell Wilson. And it sounded like, based on some of the tweets I saw today, that 
Denver got wind of Aaron Rodgers' decision and Green Bay getting the contract worked out about a week or two ago, and that's when they shifted full on to uh, to Russell Wilson and got that deal done. And so now that brings us to Deshaun Watson, who's you know absent of what's going on outside of the football world for him and his uh, pending litigation and civil suits and grand jury convening on this Friday. So before we get into all that, so I think a lot of Houston fans sees this as the floor for a Deshaun Watson trade. I'm still not entirely sure on that. I'm kind of sitting on, sitting on the fence myself on this one. You know, I think could Houston get that, say the, the criminal aspect you know, maybe that no charges come down, but the civil side kind of sits and and is pending for quite a while. And it wouldn't shock me at all to see a team like Carolina with with Dave Tepper as the owner, who seems to be very aggressive. Wouldn't shock me at all to see him willing to go ahead and make a trade with the civil suits, kind of pending if the criminal side is is cleared out. And if the crim if the civil stuff is still pending, then that's where I think you it kind of goes back to more of this type of value that that uh, Russell Wilson returned. And so the, the additional players is going to kind of cloud the numbers, in my opinion. So for me, Drew Locke, you toss him out, okay? That's, you know, that's like a day three pick or whatever. You can fold him in with the with the, the four and the five swap. Shelby Harris, I mean, he's a, he's a decent def- defensive line player, good in the locker room, but really – his trade value with that contract is nothing more than day three. So for me, you, you kind of just shuffle out that stuff. Right. And so yep. really essentially what you're getting down to is two ones and two twos, a nine, uh, pick 40. So pick nine, pick 41. And then by all counts probably will be a late one and a late two next year. Is that the floor for a Watson trade? If the criminal part disappears, but the civil part, is still pending. I think that's a pretty good, pretty accurate barometer. You might be able to swing a little bit more. I'm not entirely sure three ones would come back, but uh, kind of. Do you have any initial thoughts on that comparison? You know, of how what kind of trade value Watson might have after this yeah. Russell Wilson trade? Yeah, you know, I think you mentioned Carolina. I think Washington is clearly desperate, and they reportedly offered three first round pick. Um, for Russell Wilson, but the Seattle Seahawks would rather he went to the AFC. I think the funny thing is, let's say in a hypothetical scenario where none of this legal stuff exists, there may may not actually be a trade value for Deshaun Watson when he initially made his trade request. I mean, he he would have been asking, or Houston would have been asking for, you know, more than teams are even able to give. If folks don't know, you're not allowed to trade more than three years into the future until the draft starts. So. As of today, you can only trade 2022, 2022, 2023, and 2024 picks. So I still I still do. I think they're going to hold out. And I think ultimately what you see is that it takes one desperate team like we saw with Denver. I think Carolina is probably more desperate. It might be the most desperate team we've seen in a long time. I think I think Houston could get this return. Yeah, and I do. I see we got two requests already in, so just hang tight, folks. We'll get to get to those requests here in a few minutes. So, yeah, I think I did. I did see the Washington thing where they they reportedly offered three ones. I'm not. I didn't really see any other reports what else they offered beyond the three ones, or if it just was the three ones and that was it. Um, you know, this Friday is going to be 
kind of, in a, well, kind of, it is. It's going to be in a very important day for Houston, for the fans, for the Texans, because the, the like we saw, the depositions start on Friday for two of the two of the lawsuits, but he's going to plead the fifth, which I completely understand that from a legal aspect with the open criminal charges. But the, the, the grand jury being convened on Friday and Rusty Harden's quotes pretty much imply that he is expecting a decision on criminal charges on Friday as well. It, I know you, Brad, just passed the bar exam. And I mean, do you, do you have any uh, thoughts on, on getting a decision back that quick from a grand jury convening like that? That would be pretty interesting. Obviously this has been a dragged out process. They've pushed the deadline back several times. Um, I, you know, I don't want to speculate or, or maybe just make my law degree look less less worthy than it, than it truly is. So, you know, I, I frankly haven't been following the case as maybe closely as I should. But from a settlement standpoint or from the civil case standpoint, it sounds like if, if Watson's side was willing to settle, they could if, if they wanted to, you know, get that done. Yeah, and I, so at this point, we're just going to have to be, you know, waiting it out. But if, if the criminal charges do get cleared out on Friday, which... I, I don't know. It sounded like Houston at least a month ago felt pretty felt pretty good about that happening. I'm not sure how they feel now, but if that happens, the trade market, even with the pending civil lawsuits, I think is going to be really start to heat up. And what was it a week or two ago when they were looking to reschedule the depositions? Rusty Harden, Deshaun Watson's lawyer, had said that he hoped to get feedback on potential criminal charges by April 1st. And here we are almost a month before that, and we might get clarity on Friday. So things could really heat up big time. That's, um, you know, something that's going to have to, we're all definitely going to be keeping our eye on, especially here in Houston. I'm, you know, I don't want to diminish the, the, the pending civil charges and what, what may or may not have happened, but just from a football aspect, football transaction aspect, it's going to be very interesting. So, We'll uh, keep an eye on that. And then additionally, we got more franchise tag news today. So eight players total between yesterday and today that were franchise tagged. And I don't think anybody was, you know, too terribly of a, of a shock. You know, I don't, I think, well, I take that back. Cam Robinson was the biggest <laughs> shock of all. I, I don't understand that. And I know we got a, a, a Jaguars uh, fan in here with his request. And we, the, it, that one, I think, just kind of shocked everybody. I don't understand paying Cam Robinson, who's kind of a, just a mid-level tackle, $30 million over two years. This next one's going to be a little over $16 million when you have, by all accounts, four very good offensive tackles that are going to be available in the draft and the top half of the draft this year. So that one threw me off. Everybody else, Jesse Bates out of Bengals, not a surprise. Ninjoko out of Cleveland. Eh, not too terribly surprised. Dalton Schultz out of Dallas, not a surprise at all. Devontae Adams, that one got done quickly after Aaron Rodgers' news came out with Green Bay, and that was not a surprise. Orlando Brown with Kansas City, not a surprise. Kansas City cannot let him get away after giving up that trade. After trading for Orlando Brown, they're just going to continue working towards. And then Miami Dolphins with Mike Gusecki, which that whole tweet by him and his agent a month ago just threw us all off. <laughs> and then Chris Godwin coming off the ACL with Tampa. 
they were working on a deal today, couldn't quite get it done. So there's, you know, majority of these franchise tags, with the exception of Ken Robinson, are pro- are more likely just placeholders to continue the negotiating window out to July 15th. Are there any other uh, any other players that you were surprised that did not get franchise tag today? Yeah, no, I think we're on the same page with all those. I, I did think Harold Landry was going to get tagged, but obviously we know now why he did not, signing his you know, five-year, $87.5 million extension for 17 and a half per year. But you, know, you mentioned Chris Godwin trying to get a deal done. Maybe you know that agent also represents Mike Williams in Los Angeles, so he's, he's a bit busy the, the, these past few weeks. Yep. Um, so I think that, that deal will still get done before the July 15th deadline. And for Cam Robinson... You know, the Jaguars Jaguars also spent the 45th overall pick on Walker Little last year, a left tackle out of Stanford. I, I, it, it is interesting. I'm with you 110%. I guess my takeaway is just, and, and the betting markets already reflected this, but you got to think Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan, yep. the edge rusher, is going to be the first overall pick. Yes, I think it's very safe money at this point, unless Jacksonville just received a killer offer from somebody who wanted to slide up there for Hutchinson. Yeah. It seems like Hutchinson is, is now coming off the board at number one, which puts things square in the, in the plate of uh, Detroit. If they're going to maybe trade back, if, if these quarterbacks keep creeping up the board or what they're going to do, same for Casario and and the Houston Texans at number three, I know they definitely want to trade back. Uh, Just, you know, if there's going to be value into it, you know, I don't, I don't know that we're going to see the same type of value for trade backs that we've seen in the past, but even with some of these quarterbacks sliding, creeping up the boards, that might increase out a little bit better. And then, you know, we did, like you just mentioned, we saw Harold Landry just about an hour or so ago come down. It's big, big deal for him. Five years, 87 and a half million. Seemed like a little bit of an overpay, but, you know, the players, he was going to get that on the open market. So that's just what the team had to do to retain him. And, you know, that's $160 million combined between him and Bud Dupree with a big guarantee. So, you know, tech, the Titans are going to be a little little tied up against the cap. They already are. You know, they structured Landry's deal based on uh, messages from Paul Koharski that they're going to do a minimum salary the first year with probably around a $20 million signing bonus. So his cap charge this year is only going to be a little over $5 million. But that's going to you know backload the deal and hedging like many teams are going to do hedging on a on a fast rising cap for the next two or three years. But still, that you know I I know you had a little bit lower number on projection for him and he's just kind of a he's kind of an interesting player, especially when you look at the numbers you know his his production numbers versus his PF grade and he's kind of a he almost needs another good pass rusher he can't it may not be quite as good on his own but if he's got a good pass rusher on the other side that can help pull some of the slack off then he's that's when he really can do well one-on-one so you got any thoughts on that Landry Landry extension yeah no it's kind of funny because we have the exact same perception of Bud Dupree who who they you know signed in for agency last year and we felt that in in Pittsburgh you know TJ Watt and Cameron Hayward were, were kind of clearing up things for him and a lot of his pressures and his stacks were what we define as cleanup pressures or cleanup stacks or even unblocked pressures or unblocked stacks. But, you know, to Landry's credit, he's played the most snaps of any edge defender since he joined the NFL. The last three years, he's played at least 950 snaps, which is a ton as an edge defender. Um, but my my takeaway was, A, you know, A.J. Brown could be looking to push the $20 million per year extension to this offseason. He's now eligible. And also, 
2019 first rounder Jeffrey Simmons, you know, is eligible for an extension. Maybe they wait a year, maybe even two years on him, but he's going to be pushing 20 million per year by the time he comes up. So that could be quite the expensive defensive line in the near future. Yeah, luckily for at least on the Simmons front, you know, they'll they'll activate his fifth year option and probably wait one more year. Maybe, you know, maybe that's when Bud Dupree's contract may slide off the slide off their books if if they're needing to get out of that. So yeah, a lot of a lot of players for them to pay in the next fourteen to sixteen months down there. Um, couple of things. Before, I know we got four requests. Just hang tight, folks. I got a couple more things that I wanted to get Brad's take on before we head into the Texans free agency piece. So now that we've gotten past the the free, the fran- franchise tag period, now we've got eight days before the new league year starts, or seven days before the or yeah, seven or eight days. Starts the 16th. So now I wanted to look at some of the potential cap casualties, some big-name players that we think might be cap casualties. As you know, When we say cap casualty, it's essentially they're released basically because of the, their, their value and their performance is no longer meeting their salary that they're going to earn this year or they, and or they've got a very large salary cap that doesn't align with – the capital you know what the team wants to allot to that player and so they move on not because of skill not because of injury maybe it's a little bit of skill but it it's more cap so and i bring this up because we saw the first one fall tonight and poor seattle fans poor poor evan hill my buddy up there <laughs> i think he's drinking himself to to sleep tonight bobby wagner released from seattle or reportedly going to be released i think seattle may be doing this late in the evening after the transaction wire to see if they can drum up any kind of trade interest and maybe you know maybe eat some of the contract or do a little bit maybe they can get a day three pick back or something like that but or maybe i'm i may be reading too much in that and maybe they just truly want to give bobby wagner his choice of you know kind of like what houston did with jj watt just here we're going to release you you choose where you want to go and finish off your career come back and sign your ring of honor retirement contract in a few years so we saw bobby wagner get released he was due i think 16 16 5 in uh in salary and and roster bonuses this year so and he only had i think he was in the last year of his contract some of the other players that are out there amari cooper with dallas you know that's a big chunk of savings there 16 million in cap savings Jarvis Landry in Cleveland. I'm going to kind of hot shot these, Brad. And if you hear somebody that that doesn't make sense, let me know. Yeah. Uh, Jarvis Landry in in Cleveland, 14.8 million. Frank Clark in Kansas City. Uh, Trey Waynes in Cincinnati, 10.8 million. They signed him last year, but he was hurt majority of the year. Roger Saffold out of Tennessee. I think he would actually be a pretty popular name. I know he's a little bit older, but he's an interior guard. That is still still has a few few years left in him. I think he would be a, probably be a popular name on free agency, but his contract brings back ten point four million in cap savings. And Zach Cunningham, after uh, Houston did a a, a favor and, and claimed that contract, ten point four million in cap savings. Trey Flowers up in Detroit, ten point three. Brad Bradley Roby in New Orleans, nine point four. Brandon Linder and New. Uh, Jacksonville, 9.5. Blake Martinez in New York Giants. Alex Villanueva in Baltimore. Cole Beasley in Buffalo. Byron Jones in Miami. 
Any of those? Am I just way off on any of those? No, I agree with every single one. I think they were all on my cut candidates article. I, I do think Byron Jones is an interesting one in Miami. You mentioned tail end there. I would guess if they do move on from one of those outside cornerbacks, I think after Xavier Howard came back to the team last year and, and wanted new money and a new contract, they didn't give him that. They did rework his deal, give him some incentives and, and some ways for him to earn more cash. I still think he might come back and say, I still want a new contract. And he still has three years remaining on his deal. It was kind of unprecedented for them to do anything with four years remaining on his deal. And I could see them exploring it, maybe not cutting him, but exploring a trade for Xavier Howard again. Interesting. That'd be because I, I, I probably why I mentioned Byron Jones, he doesn't have as much of a cap savings. It's more of a cash cash savings. And if you listen to, if you listen to me on Spaces here weekly, you'll know that I always say cash is king and, and cap dollars is just an accounting function. So, you know, cash, big cap save, cash savings on Byron Jones. And then I think Miami, if they moved on from Byron Jones, would be in the uh, J.C. Jackson market. Uh, one other player that I didn't mention is James Bradbury out of New York. And we've, yeah, so, we've seen Joe Schoen say that they need to shed, you know, upwards of $40 million. Bradbury is a, has got a big number, just signed with them last year, I think. But I, I almost feel like a trade might be make more sense for them, even if it's a day three pick versus a release. So I agree 100% there. I think that one probably got floated out a little bit early so they could gauge the trade market there. He's owed $13.5 million um, in salary next year, which – Actually, the third year of his deal, he signed as a free agent and is not a crazy amount for a true number one outside corner. I want to say he's still only 28 years old, maybe 29. Um, I think a team would, should, you know, would be willing to float a fourth round pick, fifth round pick um, you know, to bring him in. Is he more of a zone guy or a man guy? He can play both. They, they brought him in to be a, you know, a man corner. That's what uh, Patrick Graham wanted to play. Um, they did kind of play a little bit more zone last year, but I don't think that was Bradbury's fault. I think it was more trying to accommodate for the other DBs on the roster. But I think either way, uh, a team would feel comfortable slotting him in in man or zone. Oh, I say that because we're Houston's looking for all the uh, all the zone covered cornerbacks that you can find. <laughs> so. All right, before we get into the Houston stuff, we do have a few requests here, and we'll uh, jump right into the divulgent fire bulky hashtag. Definitely want to hear what he has to say on this. <laughs> Go ahead, sir. Thanks for having me. Um, just like a couple things. I've had a couple thoughts as you kind of talk. Yeah. And f- as far as the you know the trade goes and the whole you know Watson scenario. I saw it was reported uh, by a Giants reporter that they made an offer for Russell Wilson that included uh, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley. I think it was two firsts, one second, and two thirds, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm curious, you know, is that maybe a ballpark of what you could get for Watson if the legal things go in a way at the end of this week here that makes him more tradable to some teams. Um, and then, you know, two, it obviously is pretty clear that the Giants are at least willing to move on from Daniel Jones. So, you know, that what does that look like as far as them maybe trying to trade up from the five spot? Um, think about. So what was the what was the trade compensation that they offered Seattle reportedly? 
so it was Daniel Jones, mm-hmm. Saquon Barkley, mm-hmm. two first round picks, one second round pick, and two third round picks for Russell Wilson. Which uh which person reported this? I'm just curious. And I think his name is Wesley. Look at his last name. Yeah, Wesley Steinberg. Who is? That's uh. Sorry to interrupt. That 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 guy is infamous at this point for making up <laughs> uh, fake New York uh, tr- you know, trades and signings and all sorts of things. Gotcha. It was. I wasn't sure he. It was. Oh, retweeted I see it now. I see it now. Yeah. He's yeah. great at it. He's one of the best troll accounts in the game. I'll give him credit. <laughs> Two first rounds. One set. Yeah. And uh, throwing Saquon Barkley in there makes perfect sense, knowing how Pete Carroll just craves you know running backs, and that's a that's a quality tweet effort there i'm not saying it's it's true or not true i i I do agree with brad i've seen this person throw some wild stuff up against the walls see if he can stick and get some attention um but just for the sake of the question so two ones a one two two threes houston yeah i mean i think they could easily move watson for that i think houston fans would probably be banging on casario's door if that's what came back in return if two ones, one two, two threes, and a player came back, yeesh, that would be that would be rough to take. I, I don't know that that would quite be enough for for a Watson trade. Now, the giant, you know, Giants, it, they've said all the right things that they were all in on Daniel Jones for another year. But yeah, with that, those two picks early in the draft, there's you know, to me, a, a quarterback's probably very likely on the board for them at that point. So that's uh, yeah, that's how I feel on that. Brad, you got anything else on that? No, I'm with you. I, I do. I, I again, I there's obviously so much here, but I, I think Nick Casario is holding out for you know the the three first plus deal that he said he wanted all along, and you know we we know how desperate teams can get in the NFL. Um, you know we mentioned a couple teams. You'd also throw in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, maybe willing to enter into that conversation. Um, you know, I, I do. I think they could still get a massive haul if things clear up. Got anything else, sir? Other than just, you know, Dude. needing Trent Balky to get out of there. <laughs> Listen, if clowns don't, I mean, clowns didn't work. I don't know what's going to work at this <laughs> point, but, um, I'll, I mean, you got a tone deaf billionaire. What else can you really say there? I will say this. I don't love the cam tag. And I think that the general consensus of our fan base right now is like, you don't love it, but on the bright side and and trying to give ourselves any glimpse of hope, uh, you know, it gives us options. I don't, I mean, I don't foresee it necessarily being a tag and trade. I would rather us try to, you know, if we are going to keep them, get them to some kind of a deal so that we can lower that cap hit. Uh, It's one thing I will say that, you know, Shad Khan has been very good to us about is opening up his wallet to sign some bonuses to lower that cabinet, which is awesome. Um, But I I just think it gives us options. We've heard from local reporters here that like Aiden Hutchinson, if you asked our scouting guys like six weeks ago, he was the pick. I don't know how that's changed since the combine and we'll see what the pro days bring over the next couple of weeks and, and what free, you know, free agency brings. We've It's been linked that we're going to make some kind of run for Teron Armstead, but I'm not necessarily all aboard that train either because I think the injury history gives you cause for concern with shelling out that kind of money. 
Um, I also could see something where maybe they're asking Cam to play left guard because we're going to lose Andrew Norwell, and we're also going to lose A.J. Can and potentially uh, Brandon Linder, even though I wish we would bring him back because we already brought Tyler Shatley back, and that's kind of like – that's his right-hand man, right? That That's his lunch pail, Mr. Dependable replacement. And so I think those two, you know, they're collectively their contracts are very, you know, consumable. Um, so I'd like to see them bring him back. But again, you know, that could be three starters on the offensive line that, that we're having to replace. So don't love it. Don't hate it. I still want to see us go get Amari Cooper and Allen Robinson for Trevor. But that's just hoping that maybe Bulky does the right thing, which, yeah. <laughs> All right. I appreciate it, sir. Y'all have a – I hope you, everything works out for you down there. Or, you know, as a Houston fan, I hope they don't work out too well. But, you know. He said, I don't, he said, I don't ask for much. Just Amari Cooper and Allen Robinson. Hey, you know, I'm not – Maybe Allen will go back, you know. and, and Maybe. You know, it. The only thing that he mentioned that getting Cam under a an ex, under a deal, multi year deal, and I don't know because to me he's kind of in that ballpark of DJ Humphreys who signed I think for four point fourteen point seven five million per year, twenty nine million guaranteed. So, but also at the end of the day, that sixteen plus million dollar franchise tag kind of sets the kind of sets the floor for a contract. So I mean, maybe you could get him in around that 16, 17 million lower the first year, like he was talking about and, and make some sense. But, you know, I, I agree. seems like it's definitely Aiden Hutchinson and uh, maybe, maybe things will change. Maybe they'll get a, a huge offer and somebody will move up, but I, I just don't see it at this point. All right, we'll go to the next one. Arjun. And then we got, uh, my buddy trust thy plan and Roger behind that. So this Arjun guy is a troublemaker. This this will be interesting. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. You obviously I, know him. I, <laughs> no, but uh no, I appreciate the discussion. You guys brought up some really great points. Uh was curious if we could uh talk a little bit about Mike Williams and how Absolutely. That, that was one of the most uh player friendly deals I've seen in a while. And, you know, I'm curious to see, like, your guys' thoughts on how that affects Godwin and A-Rob's deal. Because, I mean, not only was the APY super high, 66.6 or 67% of that deal was fully guaranteed. And, like, that's, like, market, like, that's unprecedented for the receiver market based on what some of the other receivers um, in that range have got. Yeah, exactly. That That number really blew me away and i'm waiting for so i mean i think uh, we all know that deandre hopkins still was is kind of the outlier and and julio was kind of a weird deal so keenan allen got 40 percent guaranteed amari cooper 40 percent michael thomas 37 percent kenny galladay 38 percent so everybody was hovering around that that 40 35 to 40 percent number in for Mike Williams if, if those reports are accurate coming in at 60 percent is just a wild number and it's you know there's you know you 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 can fluctuate different metrics in the contract to appease a player whether it's the guarantee the cash flow the APY but to see him get two or three of those key metrics high up there like that a few days before free agency is is pretty wild and and we know the Chargers were flush with cap space. 
have a rookie contract at the quarterback. So, I mean, hey, if he if, if good for him, good for his agent. You know, it's great to see. I just I'm having trouble seeing that, especially that guarantee. And I I don't know that much about the Chargers guarantee structure off the top of my head. Brad, maybe you know a little bit more if that's something in line with what they do, but. That's just a, a wild guarantee for me. And, I mean, he had a very good year this past year, but, I mean, prior to that, he wasn't putting up those kind of numbers before this. And, I mean, 2019 he had 1,000 yards receiving, but 2020 at 756 yards receiving and then followed back up with a little over 1,100 this past year. So, I mean, it, it's it's a, it's a market-level contract. That's probably what he would have seen on – on the open market if he had other teams bidding for him, but that guarantee number is pretty stout. Yeah, you know, I think the three-year term is interesting to me, and the $28 million in first-year cash flow also definitely jumps off the page. Um, you know, I, they obviously wanted to keep it just below Keenan Allen's, what is it, $20.01 million per year, and I think maybe that has something to do with the delay in Tampa Bay, where perhaps they're trying to, you know, keep his contract closer to Mike Evans. Obviously, that deal was signed a lifetime ago now in 2018, but Nevertheless, maybe that's influencing the situation there. But I do. I think it's a really strong deal for the player to potentially get back on the market in three years. Like you said, four, I don't think it's $40 million fully guaranteed. I believe it's just $40 million in total guarantees. But still, that's two-thirds of the entire contract on a short-term deal, um, which is very strong for Mike Williams. Yeah, and that's the three-year term is what's going to throw that percentage off a little bit. But even if it's, even if it's below below that number that's that's still pretty wild because oh man i'm just looking at i'm looking at the back end i'm looking at the back end of otc when we look at the guaranteed numbers and so if if it's just per, of total guarantees then keenan allen had 62 percent of total guarantee amari cooper 60 percent michael thomas 63 percent tyreek hill 65 percent so if if mike williams is coming in at 66 on a total guarantee, not full guarantee, then that makes much more sense. Seeing these other numbers at 40 and on a, on a full guarantee. So well, this is one of those times we're going to have to wait till we see the true, the true full guarantee nature of this thing to see how it's structured and how that number lines out. But, you know, that 20 million number seems to kind of be the barrier between your top, top, top guys and that, that next set of next set of wide receivers that hover around that 18 to that 20 million numbers. So. Yeah. I mean, he's a good, he's a good player. And obviously, you know, the first round talent, top 10 pick talent, but this is his first season with even 50 receptions in a year. So it, it really is just kind of a crazy number. Um, I mean, yeah, like you mentioned, you have the rookie contract quarterback and Justin Herbert. You also now are probably saving, you know, 15, 20 million per year at your left tackle with Rashawn Slater locking down the left side. But you have two 20 million per year receivers, the second highest paid defensive lineman and, and Joey Bosa making 27 million per year. That is the benefit. And, and you should be aggressive in spending around Justin Herbert. Obviously, as we're opening the show, talking about Russell Wilson joining this, this you know, gauntlet that is the AFC West. But I, I, it was surprising coming across. I thought that was a franchise tag candidate, if anything. And he, he's the first guy to get a big deal. And the three-year term just really sticks out. Yep. Yep. Three-year three -year terms, it seems to be – that's great for the player to be able to get back to, get back to free agency that quickly. Yep. I mean, how old yeah. is Mike Williams anyway? Let's see here. 
27, I believe. He's twenty. Yeah, yep. turn, yeah, twenty-seven turns twenty-eight this year. So if he's has the potential to get back to free agency, if he sees just two years of this deal before he turns thirty, that's that's a big win for him as well to be able to potentially get a third big third big contract, whether it's an extension with New uh, with extension with Los Angeles after two years, or if he moves on. So great job by him. Great job by his agent. Um, the Chargers acquiesce in that. Hey, you know if that's what they that's what they need to do, then. Who's to me to argue? So, RG, got anything else, buddy? I appreciate it. Yeah, no. I so I wanted to to ask. Like, so I was talking about this with someone else, but when when the Chargers let Mike Williams just play out on his fifth year contract last year, like this past season, I think it was a calculated gamble because if he had a big year, you know, he was capable of getting this contract. But obviously, you didn't want to extend him prior to last year because. You know, you only had, like you guys brought up, only 1,000-yard season. You didn't have a season over 50 catches. So now that we know, like, what Williams got was, you know, was the gamble that the Chargers made the right move, or should they have tried to be a little bit aggressive in looking for an extension last offseason? Yeah, that's a, that's a great point, and that's, that's the bet that a lot of teams have to play, you know, is do you do – you, Trust your, you know, trust your your read on him. Trust your assessment on the player. Bet on that projection that it's going to come back, or do you wait and see? And they waited and see this time, and and are having to come back with a big contract. So that's that's a good point. Yeah, definitely. You know, always a tough decision. I do think you know you, you don't want to put hindsight analysis on it. I still think it was the right move to see a full healthy season from him. You know, see him have games where he truly took over and kind of had you know, big outings. And also, I don't think his agent's a guy you probably can negotiate a, a discount, so to speak, with. Um, he'll also be looking for early extensions for Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, and D.K. Metcalf this offseason. So, you know, he, he has a pretty good gauge on the wide receiver market. All right, Arjun, got anything else, bud? Nope, that was all. Thank you guys uh, for your time. I appreciate it. All right, trust that plan. Let's try to keep it clean tonight. Go ahead, man. Take yourself off mute. Hey, Texas Cap, can you hear me? I can hear you, sir. What's going right, on? I appreciate it. I'm just living the dream, man. Just living the dream. You know, all this NFL things going on today, you know. <laughs> yeah. What you got? But, uh, so, my first thing is, you know, with the Seattle Seahawks trading, with Denver Broncos and all that, uh, do you think Seattle actually would jump on board for Deshaun Watson because they just cleared base for Bobby Wagner? Just released him too. Do you think they would actually be in the race for him, possibly? And uh, my second thing is, after watching the combine, what were you, what are you thinking with the Texans at the number three? What do you think they might actually go now? Because Walker, he blew up, and everybody's saying that he might actually go number three, which I, I think is just a reach. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? So with Seattle, I think it's easy to connect that dot. I'm not entirely convinced that they're just not scaling back and going back into rebuild and you know rebuild the cash bucket lower the cash spending for the next couple of years and rebuild that team i saw a few nfl network folks kind of hint that seattle could maybe be interested in deshaun watson i think that's an organization that could pretty easily weather the pr setback from from trading for deshaun watson 
assuming the criminal stuff is cleared out and civil stuff is still pending. But they definitely have the the definitely have the capital to pull it off by all means. I'm just not entirely sure that they're would be in on it. Maybe things will unfold unfold differently, but I think right now it's definitely Carolina number one. People keep linking Philadelphia to it to him, and they just had an investigator last yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, about the Deshaun Watson thing. I thought they, I thought that they sent him last year or last year, but the news finally came out yesterday or this week. But the re, from what I'm hearing, partly the main reason why Deshaun told Philadelphia no is that he is. Friendly with Jalen Hurts, and he doesn't want to take his job. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. That seems pretty weak, but you know, a lot of a lot of folks are still connecting Philadelphia to Deshaun Watson, and then Tampa Bay, as you know, they had some reports back that they were checking into it. I'm not sure how serious they are on uh, looking into Deshaun Watson, but that seems to be the players at the moment. And then your other question about number three overall. It's still there's still a lot of dominoes that need to fall to determine that. I mean, if I don't think Tunsil's going to be traded, but if he is traded, then that makes it very clear what they would need to do at number three. I feel pretty confident that Casario would love to trade back, by all accounts, if possible. You know, he's just wanting as many draft picks as 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 many as he can get, whether it's this year, next year, the next three years. And moving back from three to six, seven, eight, nine is something he would probably really like to do. It just depends on how the quarterback shift. I don't, you know, as, as in the beginning it was Kyle Hamilton. I did, I did see the same thing that you saw today with Walker moving up to number three. Mm-hmm. I think it was on Dane Bugler's mock draft today, and it doesn't shock me that he flew up the board like that. And Houston obviously needs edge rushers. You know, there. Are, you know, Jacob Martin's probably going to walk, and he wasn't that big of a. He was more of a rotational type player anyway. So, you know, really all they have on the edge at this point is is Jonathan Gennard and and Jordan Jenkins, and he's a rotational guy. So, I mean, he makes sense, but does he make sense at three? Like you said, that might be a little bit of a reach. You know, we'll just have to kind of wait and see how the how the board shakes out after free agency. Okay, and one more thing: What do you think about Stoss right now? We used him. Instead of Kyle Hamilton, we think the possibility of that. Of who? Sauce. Oh, Gardner? Yeah. Oh, I would love him, but, man, I saw he was up at, at – he's definitely up above Stingley at this point, and if if he makes all the way to three, then, hey, that's – you know, I don't, I'm not going to say that's not a reach, but, you know, he's moving up the boards as well, and I would love to have Sauce Gardner here. Yeah, you said they were looking for that man cover corner. There's your guy right there. Oh, well, I, they I like know it's zone. Old. They like zone cover guys. Like oh, you're looking zone. for oh, well, then maybe maybe he's not your guy. Yeah, there. he may not be the guy. I mean, by all his athletic traits and his skill, then yeah, he maybe you can make him work as a zone guy versus a, a man guy. But Lovey really likes those zone cover back zone guys. So we'll see how that works. You got anything else, man? No, I appreciate you. All right, I'll see you next week. Yes, yeah, sir. All right. Just just while you're pulling up the next person, I do think it's interesting. You know, I think it makes a ton of sense for Houston to explore a trade down. It's obviously easier said than done. And and also, it's just tough when there isn't that quarterback target. The last time a team traded down from three that I can remember was, was Deion Jordan when the Dolphins traded up with the Raiders 
and, and it was a very cheap deal compared to other trades in that range of the draft. The compensation that the, that the Raiders actually got to move down to 12 was minuscule in comparison. And so I think, you know, I think that just kind of scares GMs away from making that type of move, um, even if they do potentially reach on a guy. But, you know, I, I think it'll work out with Houston where a good tackle could be there, a good edge rusher could be there. Um, it, it shouldn't be too bad of a scenario if they have to stick at three. Yeah. No, I it's it's definitely either way is fine. You know, you're you're gonna get a very, very good player at number three. Even if you move back to eight or nine, you're still gonna get a very good player and some some additional compensation. So all right. Got a few more requests in here. You doing okay on time, Brad? Yep. All right. Eric Galco. How about that? Wants to talk. Going big time. I know. <laughs> I feel extra special having Mr. Galco in here ready to talk. Eric, what you got, sir? What's up, guys? How you guys doing? Good. Um, what's up, Brad? How we doing, Brad? How's it going? Doing well. Brad, my, my voice is back, if you can't tell. So I lost it, my voice. Barely. I was, was going to call Brad earlier today, and unfortunately, my voice was gone. Um, a lot of discussions I've had the last uh, couple days and hours um, has been on – the top of the market at uh, at left tackle um, for a guy like Teron Armstead and for guard, and then for J.C. Jackson. Curious what your guys' take is and what you would recommend doing for top of the market guys, especially at left tackle and corner with, with Teron Armstead and J.C. Jackson being a guy everyone's curious about. Well, J.C. Jackson, I think his goal is going to be that $20 million number. I'm just not entirely sure he's going to get there. I think he's going to get pretty dang close. But I don't know if there's if somebody's going to be willing to to reset the market on him. If he, if he does, it's going to be right on top of it. Teron Armstead, he's 31, which in tackle years is not as bad. But as we are mentioned, as was mentioned earlier, the the injury injury issues, you know, could be a potential barrier. But I mean, he's not going to be he's not going to be at the top of the market. But I, I could see him easily clearing 20 million per year. On Armstead for sure, you know he's going to be up near that Tunsil. Tunsil's at twenty-two million. I don't think he'll get above that. But Brad, do you have any thoughts on either of those? Yeah, so I'm with you on Armstead. I think it's rare to get a you know a true blue chip talent at left tackle to hit free agency. And frankly, if Sean Payton doesn't retire, I'm not sure we're even having this conversation. Um, I would. I'd be willing to go into that twenty million plus per year range for him, even knowing the injury concerns there. I just think he's that good of a player. As for J.C. Jackson, don't want to rampantly speculate, but I'll say this. For a guy with 17 interceptions over the last two seasons, who, who played a lot more zone this year and was good, has obviously been known as a man-cover corner the last couple of years in New England, for them to not even engage in, in extension talks, to not even entertain a franchise tag, you know, he had some red flags coming into the draft. He went undrafted for a reason. Maybe he also had zero interest from the New England Patriots for a reason as well. I'll leave it at that. And that, that's a fair point, and that's something that folks need to always ask when you're looking at free agency. And, you know, it, this kind of coincides with what I wrote on a newsletter, you know, a couple weeks back about free agent value and the, the very difficult nature it is to get good returns on free agency spending. But that's the first thing you need to be asked is why didn't the previous teams re-sign this player? Why are they letting him walk to free agency? What do we what do we don't know that they know that's causing them to let him walk? And so 
that's a that's a valid point, you know. But New England, it's always it's always tricky to know what's going on with Belichick and and his head and and why he's letting players leave. So, you know, we'll see. Eric, you got anything else, sir? I got plenty, but uh, Brad, I'll call you tomorrow. We'll talk. To you <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you, Thanks, sir. Guys. All right. All right. So we got a few. So we got a bunch of requests in here. Five of them. All right, so let's see. I'm trying to see who has been waiting the longest. So we'll go with Cole Harris next, and then we'll go to Austin and Tony Rameshi and Dr. Barrett after that. So who did I say first? Austin? We'll go Austin. Austin. Hey, what's up, everybody? How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks, guys. Um I don't have anything too crazy uh, tonight, but I was wondering what you guys think about to, um, how some of the dark horse trade candidates like the Vikings and maybe the Steelers are affected by today's moves, if, if at all. Just wondering what you guys think about those two teams. For Deshaun. Brad, for Deshaun on that. Oh, for yeah. Deshaun. I don't, I don't know that Pittsburgh would be in on, on Deshaun at all. Um, Minnesota – I mean, they got the Kirk Cousins deal that they got to deal with up there. So, Brad, I'll let you jump in on that one. Yeah, I'll actually I'll, I'll disagree with you a bit on Pittsburgh. I, I understand why you'd have that position, but look, you, you have a general manager and Kevin Colbert that's expected to retire after the draft. You know, it would kind of be maybe a you know kind of final send off move to to make a controversial trade for Deshaun Watson, but take all the blowback and all the responsibility for it. And basically what you do is you hand your successor an elite franchise quarterback that, yes, has a lot of issues surrounding his entire situation, but everyone would just blame you for that while you're sipping pina coladas <laughs> on a beach in Cabo. Um, so I think, you know, I just I think that wrinkle is kind of interesting there. Um, as for Minnesota, I, I think, you know, I think they will explore potentially moving uh, Kirk Cousins. I'm not sure anyone's going to be a taker, especially, you know, again, like I said at the top of the show, this trade for Russell Wilson was so massive that even a guy like Kirk Cousins, if I was Minnesota now, I'm asking for probably two first-round picks. I know that sounds crazy, but, you know, just two first-round picks, remove two seconds and three good players, um, I, I don't see why you wouldn't get something around that if you're, if you're the Vikings of Kirk Cousins. Oh, man. And, and Cousins, it's the last year of his deal. He's got 10 accrued seasons, so his his compensation compens, comp, compensatory dr- draft pick return would be a cap out at a fifth round pick. So, if they were to let him walk after this year, I just, I, I mean, I agree with you. I don't know anybody that would be willing to trade for Kirk Cousins, much less two ones on top of a contract that's going to come with him at this point. I just feel like Minnesota's got to play it out, finish out the year, yeah. and let him walk. Yeah, maybe not two ones, but at least a first and a, and a second or a first and a third or maybe, you know, get a young player in there. I will say uh, our good friend Nick Corte points out that the court, there's a quarterback exception to that rule. So oh, he will still I'll, be I'll eligible. I always forget that. I always forget that. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So he would still be eligible for a third round compensatory yes. pick. But no, I, I totally hear you. The big thing there, the difference between him and Stafford and Wilson, as you pointed out, is Look, it's the last year of his contract, but also he is not taggable. He will never be franchise tagged again in his career. Yep. So you really have no control and no certainty as a club. You are truly inheriting a one-year deal. Whereas, 
look, you know, the Broncos don't want to franchise tag Russell Wilson, but in theory, they have a two-year deal, and then if Russ is, has some crazy demands, they can franchise tag him if they wanted to. Yeah, and for to kind of break down what Brad's talking about, so Cousins was franchised twice in Washington, and that carries with the player through the life of his NFL career. So if if Minnesota wanted to tag Kirk Cousins next year, would it be at the exclusive number or 144% of his $45 million cap numbers, which would just be an insane number. So that's that's why Brad's saying he's essentially unfranchised taggable at this point, just because of that carries over with the player. Austin, you got anything else, sir? No, I appreciate it. I just figured, like, you know, the Vikings, I thought would make more sense to kind of go for a win now, for win now move, given that Seahawks are going to rebuilding and stuff like that. So, and then for the Steelers, right? I mean, just like anybody in the AFC, they're going to want to try to find ways to compete. So, uh, kind of wishful thinking, I get it. So, I uh, appreciate it, guys. That's all I got. May not be wishful thinking, like Brad said. You know, it. if Pittsburgh wants to get involved, then, you know, by all means, I just, it just doesn't seem like the team to make that kind of swing. But, you know, maybe the you know they came off of their contract structure last year for D, uh, for TJ Watt, so maybe they'll come off of their <laughs> come off of their uh, laid back nature when it comes to dra- uh, trading. You know, they did trade. What did they trade for uh, for Fitzpatrick for Minka? Uh, first round pick. That was a first. Okay, so they're willing to make moves. So it'd be interesting to see if they're willing to make a bigger move. So I appreciate it, Austin. Thanks. Well, you're bringing in the next person. I want to issue a correction upon myself. So the Chargers did, in fact, give Mike Williams $40 million fully guaranteed at signing, um, not just total guarantees, fully million, uh, fully guaranteed at signing. That, that deal is one of the better deals for the player of the last couple of years. Wow. That's impressive. But I, I still will say the three-year nature, the three-year nature is going to throw that percentage off, but still, woo. <laughs> right, right. That is still – I mean, it's – yeah, that's impressive regardless. Let's see here. Tony. Take yourself off mute, Tony. Hey, uh, hey. I think you already kind of leaned into it a little bit with the Tunsil uh, comments earlier, but as a Bengals fan, mm-hmm. wonder if the structure would be similar to Orlando Browns last year. I think... You would not. I don't think Houston will would be able to get the same trade value for Tunsil that Orlando Brown got out of KC. I think when I've talked to on here with some of the other Houston uh, local media folks, I think we're kind of all in agreement that it would probably be a second round pick, maybe a future twenty twenty, you know, like a twenty twenty three first round pick, something like that. If they wanted to try to move Laramie Tunsil, I don't see how you can get a late first round pick for uh, a guy who's going to get thirty six million and change. The next two years is going to want a top of the market contract extension probably after twenty twenty two, and is a very 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 good pass blocker and a mid of the mid pack run blocker and has a lot of interest outside of football. I'm not saying he's all, he's not for football. 
I'm just saying he's got a lot of interest outside of football. So, I mean, I, it, Houston fans have kind of soured on him after after missing all of last season with what was supposed to be a four-week injury. And then the team kept coming up with different excuses of why he didn't return. Couldn't, apparently you can't lift weights when you when you tear a, a, a tendon in your thumb, according to uh, the former head coach. So that's that would be my thought, you know, just a, a high second-round pick or a future 2023 first-round pick. Deal. Deal. <laughs> hey, take him. Take him. I'll use that. We'll use that number three for uh, Ikem, and we'll move on with him and Howard. So, I mean, but at at this point, it doesn't sound like Tunsil's on the block. I think Casario is going to be in the mindset of I'm not going to actively shop him. If somebody were to call and offer up a very, very good offer enough for me to move him, then I'll move him. But I'm not actively pursuing it. You know, and I, if if by all accounts, if you weren't drafted in the 2021 draft class and or your name is Brandon Cooks, then you're eligible to be traded by Casario. <laughs> yep. uh, that, would, that would be my take on the matter. Thanks, man. All right. Thank you. Let's see, I haven't even got to any – Texans defensive stuff, and that's okay. I'll just write about it this week. There you go. Make, making more work for you. All right. Let's see here. Hopefully, I pronounced this correctly. Your meshy. Your meshy. If I pronounce that incorrectly, I do apologize. Oh, no. You're okay. Okay. Um, you thank you. Um, I'm miserable. I'm a Washington fan. <laughs> This has been the worst. What, what, team, what team are you a fan of? I'm sorry, I missed it. I am a Washington fan. Okay. Oh, so you're talking about you've been miserable since you were born, you're saying? Yes, very much so. <laughs> so these past few days have been extremely rough. Actually, today has just been the worst thing I ever saw in my entire life. And I went through Bruce Allen for ten years. Oh yeah, so, that's gotta be um, that's worse. That's that's up there with going with Balky. Whoo! Oh my goodness. So I have three questions. Okay. <laughs> so Mike Williams' contract makes me scared of Terry McLaurin's contract. How fearful should I be of that? Two, if I say the starting point for Washington for Deshaun Watson would be three first, and I give you Montez Sweat, how enticing does that sound? Oh, the Ben, the ben Standing offer. Okay. <laughs> and three, um, what? Where do you place Washington in that? Um, least likely, most likely to go range for them. So, we'll do the Deshaun Watson piece first, and then we'll okay. get to McLaurin. Um, I think Washington is very much going to be trying to get a piece of Deshaun Watson. The part I haven't been able to figure out is, is Deshaun Watson willing to go to Washington? Cause he does have the no trade clause. He's going to, at some point he's going to have to open that up a little bit and try to, to help facilitate a trade. So that's the part I quite, quite haven't figured out, but I'd pretty confident Washington would be heavily in on Deshaun Watson. If he said yes to that, 
three ones and Montez Sweat. Not enough for me. Mon, you know, Montez Sweat. It's it feels almost like a here. Just take this too, please. And it would have to be three ones and two twos, and then you can throw in Sweat if you want as well. But I really doesn't do a whole lot for me. He's in the last year of his contract or last year of his rookie contract, if I'm not mistaken. So that would be my my take on it. If it's three ones and something and a, a few more draft picks, then by all means. But like we saw with Wilson, two ones and two twos is going to be the floor. And it also depends on, like we talked about earlier, of what happens with Watson on Friday with the grand jury and, and potential what's going on with the civil lawsuit. So I'm talking about that would be crazy, though. Civil lawsuits with Wash with Watson in Washington on top of what's going on with Dan Snyder. Woo. Oh my goodness, that would be <laughs> something. Um, Terry McLaurin. If you go evil, go full evil. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll go hill full hill turn. So Terry McLaurin, I don't think you have to worry about McLaurin getting to the Mike Williams number. And this is one of those times where draft draft uh, numbers where the players draft really kind of helps facilitate a, a, a contract and McLaurin being a third round draft pick, it's going to hurt him just a little bit in its aspect. So I would suspect his number is probably going to come in a little under that, probably in that 17 to $18 million range, Brad. Yeah, I had him at uh, 18.75 per year. I, I agree. I don't think he's going to get to 20. Uh, although that being said, at this point, you know, who, who really knows? I, I, I had Mike Williams at, I think, 18. Um, so, you know, you never know. But I, I agree. I, I think he'll stay just below that draft capital. That draft status always sticks with you. Um, and I think this Williams deal is in part, you know, because he's a top 10 pick. All right. You got anything else, sir? Oh, no, that's all. My biggest thing was the Watson probably said no because I know it just came out that – uh, Russ just said no to Washington and Philadelphia's offer, so that was my biggest concern with Washington. I'll, I'll give you a glimmer of hope. I actually heard that he would not, that he would waive his no trade clause to go to Washington. So I, I've heard he would be willing to go there. I teed that up for you a few minutes ago. I was hoping you would say that. My bad, my bad. I must have missed missed a lot. <laughs> yeah, I I have been told that he would not, you know, reject that destination. Yeah. Oh. You're giving me hope. Oh, all right. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Have a good night. You too. Thank you. See, made his night. How about that? There we go. All right. We got two more here. All right. Let's see here. Cole Harris. Take yourself off mute, sir. Hi. Can you guys hear me? We can. Perfect. Uh, so I'm a Browns fan, unfortunately, but... Uh, I'm a Texas fan, day. so I can't I can't say anything about yeah, any no other sympathy from, from anyone on the, on the hosting panel. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, so, and I'll admit I'm in a bit of an echo chamber just with Brown's Twitter. I mean, every fan base has kind of their toxicity with stuff like that, but um, it's been really interesting to see today specifically. Uh, a lot of Browns fans <laughs> have been slandering Andrew Barry because, um, I, I, in my personal opinion a lot of these Browns fans have been super delusional about like genuinely they thought we were contenders to get Russell Wilson. And I never believed that to be the case because when, 
you know, when these Browns fans are listing the weapons that we can offer, it's like they're literally running backs and the upside of David Njoku. Like, that's nothing. I mean, that's like quarterbacks do not care about that, in my opinion. And so I kind of thought that was interesting. And I was just wondering kind of what you guys thought about Baker Mayfield's future, because if you kind of look at it, everyone's saying, oh, well, you're you guys are in kind of bad shape. But if he has a great year, you'll be fine. And it's like, well, to a degree, that might be true. But the problem is, is like, even if he has a great year, in my opinion, Andrew Barry is not going to give him a long-term deal when he's good every other calendar year. And I mean, I don't even, even if he has a great year this year, like let's say he's a top eight to 10 quarterback statistically, it's like, is he even going to want to give him, you know, the franchise tag money? I mean, really, I don't know. And so it's just so weird to kind of see the fall from short grace that we had from making the playoffs. Now it's like, it almost feels like we're in quarterback purgatory. So I don't know. I just want to know what you guys thought about that. I, I think you, you're you right on with the franchise tag. I think if he has an, a, a decent year or a really good year, you franchise tag him and say, prove it again. If you can do it again, then we'll give you the contract that, you, that you're looking for. But the team is going to have to really lean on the franchise tag. That's... I mean, and if it's come, if it comes in below that, then you, you, whether it's a tag and trade situation, depending on what the market's looking like next year, or you just let him walk, unfortunately, you know, that's a tough thing to, that's a tough bill to swallow. But that, to me, the franchise tag is going to be a huge piece of the negotiation for Cleveland come next year. Brad, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, no, I think they're comfortable playing it year by year, and, and they're in no rush to, to hammer out a multi-year deal there, and, and they frankly shouldn't. See? Simple. We solved your problem. <laughs> Simple. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> All right. All right. Dr. Barrett, you've been waiting for a long time. Go ahead, Dr. Barrett. Hello. Do we lose him? Uh, I don't see anyone popping up. Uh, he's there. He, maybe, maybe he doesn't want to speak. Dr. Barrett, Corey, three, two. All right. Got some stage fright. A lot of, tough, a lot of good uh, questions to follow. Up. Yeah. All right. Let's see here. Jonathan. Jonathan. Take yourself off mute. Man, two in a row. Jonathan, the mute button, bottom left of your screen. All right. We'll have to move on from him. Uh, Dr. Barrett is back. Oh. Let's try him again. Corey. Okay. There, there I can hear you now. Okay. Yeah, it was a technical difficulty, man. I'm not having a stage fright. <laughs> All right. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, man, uh, I know you said earlier you hadn't got a chance to touch on any uh, defensive topics, and I just wanted you to probably give us some guys – in the secondary that kind of would fit the Texans uh, scheme and budget 
And I also wanted to see what you thought about, like, if losing guys like Malik Collins and um, maybe Kamu and free agency, how would that affect our um, compensatory pick in 2023? So uh, compensatory, I think you can just kick that out the window. I think the team is going to sign. I mean, they've, they've got a big right. They've got 49 players under contract. Even if they have a big draft class and undrafted class, they're still going to sign a, a large number of free agents and it's going to cancel out a lot of their potential on if Malik Collins or Kamu Grugia Hill, that probably be, maybe Justin Reed, that'd probably be about the only three players that might even come close to getting into that sixth, fifth round uh, compensatory draft area. So I really, really wouldn't put a whole lot of stock in that. Um, I will say, this, you know, based on Lovey Smith and what he's been saying this last probably two weeks now, that this is his team and he's going to get his players. Not not the players Casario wants, but the players that Lovey wants. And I don't mean to say that Lovey's just going to handpick his players. I think Casario is going to have a strong hand in who he signs, but Casario is going to be really targeting players that Lovey really wants. And so, from you're talking about secondary, so cornerback, so they have Terrence Mitchell, Jimmy Moreland, uh, Thomas, Lonnie Johnson, Tremont Smith, Thomas being Tavier Thomas, and uh, TJ Green. So, I think the players that you're going to be looking at would be uh, Levi Wallace out of Buffalo. He's a very good, very good. He's, he's a good zone-type quarterback. Mike Hughes. Mm-hmm. You know, Levi Wallace is probably going to be in that six to seven million dollar range. Mike Hughes around three to four. You know, they could bring back Desmond King. I think Desmond King is going to be a player that they say they probably already have an offer on the table for him and are giving him the opportunity to go to the market and see what it shows and come back if you're not seeing the number that you want. So, you know, between four and five million for him. I don't think you're going to see getting into the double digit numbers you know if they wanted a veteran type zone quarterback cornerback casey hayward i know he's up there in age but he really played well this year in in, uh, las vegas you know you could probably get him for six or seven million dollars steven nelson out of philadelphia is probably going to be a little bit higher you know probably eight or nine million and uh the top of the market that i think Casario would be shopping is is Dante Jackson, where he's probably going to be up in that ten to eleven million dollar range. I'm not sure he's going to quite get up into that area. I think he's going to be bargain shopping again because Lovey has been preaching left and right about pass rush, about defensive line. I think that's where he wants the draft picks and the and the money to be spent on the defense is on that defensive line to get out get after the quarterback, and that should help your cornerbacks and coverage by having a strong pass rush. And that's always been a quintessential conversation of pass rush versus coverage and which one's more important. So based on what Lovey Smith is being said, I think the equity, the assets are going to be heavily pushed towards the pass rush and not so much the coverage. As far as safeties, I think it's going to be even lower. You know, I think you're going to be looking at players like Terrell Edmonds out of Pittsburgh, Anthony Harris, Bobby McCain out of Washington. You know, I think these are going to be players that are going to be in that 4 to $5 million range. I think Justin Reed, if he doesn't find the market that he's looking for, 
I think there's a potential he could come back, but I think he's looking for every bit of eight and nine million dollars a year. It'd be interesting to see if he finds that or not, but he's a very young player, and I think there's a very real chance that he'll see that. I don't think him coming back is probably going to happen. So, Brad, I don't know if you have any other names from a secondary zone. Yeah, I, I like all the names you mentioned. I'll just add one for each position. So, I, I think Rasul Douglas maybe priced himself out of Green Bay. You know, they have other priorities to take care of and played pretty well in their zone-heavy scheme this year. I don't think he's going to break the bank by any means. And then there are a ton of safeties, so, you know, you really could pick you know pick a name out of a hat. But I think Xavier Woods, who played in Minnesota this year, played in Dallas the last couple of years before, um, you know, can play well and too high, can come down in the box and make some plays. Um, you know, I think he's just an intriguing, uh, intriguing safety in the back end that, again, I don't think will break the bank. And, and I think Lovey would like to have around. Razul Douglas was, was here during yeah, training camp last year for about two oh, weeks. Well. <laughs> and they, they, they cut him during training camp. And then he went on to do what he did in, in Green Bay. So I don't know that he would be. I don't know that that would happen here or not. I don't know if 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 they would be willing to admit that mistake, but so, yeah, probably not. I, I rescinded that one. I got one follow up, and I'll jump off. Man. Yeah, since you brought it up, do you really think that Lovey has that type of influence to where he's gonna be dictating, you know, the direction of the program? All right. So what I'm gonna say now is purely hypothetical and purely just me making an assumption this is not based on anything i've heard from anybody but i think when the team shifted to lovey late in the head coach search i think lovey probably utilized that leverage to tell casario and cal that you're gonna get me the players that i want if, if you know what i mean i think they're gonna really i think he really probably expressed his leverage and really is going to help push the type of players that are brought in. Casario is still going to have full authority over the roster. Don't That's still going to happen. But I think Lovey is going to have much more input than what David Culley had when it comes to signing players. And that's par- personally why I haven't really been picking players with New England ties as potential free agent targets. I think the board is wide open this time around. That's just my that's just my guess. I could be completely wrong, and that wouldn't be the first time. You got anything else, Corey? Uh, I mean, I always got something to say, but no, nah, that's <laughs> that's pretty much it, man. Uh, I'll just switch back to listening. All right. somebody. We'll see you um, next week. Thank you. Right. I feel bad. That's a good, a good Texans listener, and I made a blunder with Rasul Douglas. That's okay. My apologies, Corey. It's all right. All right, you doing okay, Brad? We're just gonna do a yeah, couple I'm more. Hanging. I'm hanging yeah. too. I gotta wake up early, but we got a few more requests. We'll, as my buddy Landry would say, we're a man of the people. So, all right, so yep. we'll go with Brandon, then Wyatt, and then Jordan. But at least we're getting some non-text and stuff in tonight, so that's fun. All right, yeah, yeah, a little bit of both. Brandon, take yourself off mute, sir. Man, I'm going to have a lot of editing to do. All this dead silence. (laughs) Going to make me work. Brandon. 
Three, two. All right. Sorry, Brandon. Hit back up if you figured out. All right. Wyatt. Wyatt. What you got, sir? Hey, how are you guys tonight? Outstanding. So with all the quarterback talk and the news that have that has been coming out about quarterbacks, what is going to happen with Jimmy G? Because I know he was talking about – or they were talking about shopping him, but I think it was Schefter or Rappaport said they may not trade him. So just what – has there been an update on that anywhere? I haven't seen anything. I mean, he just had shoulder surgery. He's got the – got the injury guarantee the 7.5 million injury guarantee but i don't know if the shoulder surgery would hold up any trades because technically you got to pass a physical to do a trade so brad do you have any insight into the jimmy G? yeah I, I thought he was you know a lot to get moved and as you mentioned adam Schefter came on actually a, a pff podcast and said you know he wouldn't be so sure and and i, I wonder if maybe he knew about the shoulder surgery you know, it doesn't sound like it's a surgery that is going to scare any club from there being some long-term health issue. But I don't know of any team that wants to, you know, trade decent draft capital, maybe like a second-round pick um, for a guy they don't know is 100% healthy. Yeah, I mean, I haven't really seen any other, like, teams linked. I mean, it this may be something where you get through the draft – and see where how things shake out, and if a team misses on a – maybe they were looking to draft a quarterback or, you know, depending on how their roster shakes out post-draft, that's when they make the move for Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe that's, you know, to, you know, just send on seeing how their roster shakes out. Maybe they determine that, you know, we're in a better position to, to win some games this year. We just need a quarterback or, you know, whatever it may be. I, to me, that might make a little more sense. You might see a trade post-draft. And yeah, the one the one connection is uh, Washington General Manager Martin Mayhew uh, did spend time with the San Francisco 49ers for a bunch of years before heading to Washington. So maybe he's the one if you kind of want to connect dots, you know, that would be the one connection there. Sorry, Wyatt, I wish I had better info info for you. <laughs> no, you're it's all good. I, I'm in Mobile. So, you know, during the senior bowl and all that, that was that was some of the talking points that I heard. Um, I got two more things. Sp speaking of the senior bowl, uh, I know the saints were really liking Malik Willis. Is there any chance he falls to them or teams like, uh, Houston or a uh, Washington just this much in love with him that there's no shot. He's fallen to new Orleans. I mean, he's flying up the, the draft boards. I mean, I, I saw, I saw one mock that had him going number two to, to Detroit, you know? And so, I would be hard pressed to see him get past whether it's the Seahawks at nine, if they don't make any moves for a veteran quarterback, um, maybe even a team like the Colts, you know, there's the Falcons. I, I just don't, I don't think he's a, a, a ready a quarterback that's going to be ready to take the field week one, but I, I don't see him making out of the top 15 the way the boards have been shifting around in the rumors in the past week. And, you know, we still got a little over almost two months before the draft comes and things could change, but that's just kind of the sense I've, I've read on the tea leaves at this point. Yeah. I, uh, the mock with, with him going number two overall, you see may, may have been the one that I posted at PFF today. 
Um, and, and I can tell you was that, that was yours. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I did not give proper credit. Okay. (laughs) No, no, no. You're good. I was going to say more so. The reason I point that out is because, you know, that wasn't random. It wasn't, and it wasn't based on entirely on my opinion. Um, It's based on some chatter I heard at at the Combine in Indianapolis. So I think he is flying up draft boards for sure. You mentioned Seattle is now picking at nine. Um, You know, but New Orleans at 18 and Pittsburgh at 20, I think if he does slide a little bit, Let's say he lands in you know at nine ten range and no one's taken him yet. I think both of those teams start to make some phone calls and look to move up. I pre- uh, uh, last one, mm-hmm. and then I'll hop off and just go back to listening. As a fan, you know I'm ecstatic about the news about Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers today. Should I get my hopes up on a receiver in the top 100 for Green Bay, or are they planning on sticking with their? current trend that you know of well if we knew it depends on gunakisk has been pretty aggressive and it it really depends on how this roster shakes out because they get a lot of work to do to get under the cap and mm-hmm. they're they're very well might need an edge rusher or two and another offensive lineman so i mean sure it definitely could be and it, it See, is Alan Lazard, is he an RFA? Yeah, he's an RFA. So it'd be interesting to see if they tender him back. Uh, I think Val- uh, Valdez Scantling, I think, is probably going to walk in free agency. I think he's going to get a decent deal somewhere. And uh, I think, it sure, I think there's a possibility of top 100. I just don't think it's going to happen on day one or day two. I think it's a day three. And they're just going to have to lean on Rodgers and Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones again. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I think it's certainly possible because um, I do. I agree. I think Mar- Marquez Valdez Scantling is gone. Um, you know, Amari Rogers, who they took last year, obviously didn't look great as a rookie. But you know, you know the Packers, their, their prospects always seem to, to work out and, and turn the turn the tides in in year two and year three. So yeah, wouldn't be shocked if it happens, but probably wouldn't count on it either. Yeah. All right, Wyatt, I appreciate it, buddy. Jordan. Go ahead, Jordan. Hey, good evening, fellas. Texans, Brad, for you this evening. It's so much what was that? I'm, I was, was just You guys can hear me, right? Yes, sir. Now we can. There oh, we go. Excellent. Just, just asking how you guys are doing. Oh, we're doing great. Thanks for having me on. I will be trying to be concise here. I'm a Bears fan, so, I mean, I guess I'll just kind of play to the audience a little bit here. I just want to say... I love Lovey Smith. I'm glad to see he's getting another chance. Um, I find myself kind of being a closet Texans fan, rooting for you guys because of Lovey Smith. So, oh, sorry, <laughs> I'm sure you don't like him, but uh, I don't know. Just, oh no, uh, I have no, I have no problem with Lovey. I, he's saying all the right things. He seemed, I mean, just listen to him talk. I want to run through a wall for him. Now, if that translates into wins and and a better team, then we'll see. But by all accounts, he seems like a pretty awesome dude. Sure. Um, well, a question, I guess, on one of the AFC South Division rivals. I mean, don't get me wrong. I understand Carolina's probably got the highest QB angst in the league with the Darnold situation and everything else. But obviously, they just don't have the draft capital to fix that situation at the moment. Um, so looking to the next, probably the next hottest team outside of Washington, which we already touched on, but Indianapolis. Um, I mean, I'd like to, again, as a Bears fan, I, Mitch Trubisky's kind of the talk of the town in the NFL right now. I'd like to just kind of get a feeler from you and Brad. Am I crazy on the idea that, to me, Mitch to Indianapolis just seems like it makes too much sense? 
I mean, the reason I bring that up, and I know that they obviously spent a ton on Carson Wentz, but Carson Wentz and Jimmy G, for example, the other hot name in free agency, they have this kind of mental fart trade, if you will, that when the game's on the line, they always find a way to put it in danger. And I find that a guy like Mitch, admittedly, I mean, I don't know how much of it, Tim, how much of it's naggy, but really didn't seem to have that much of that brain fart trade, at least in my time watching him as a Bears fan. Um, and I feel like you combine that guy with like a friend, like somebody who really develops quarterbacks and builds that relationship with his quarterback. Am I crazy to think that that would be kind of the ideal landing spot for him? No. And my thinking on this is Chris Ballard, well-respected GM, but at the end of the day, you know, we're on year three or four with him. He missed on the Wentz deal, expended a lot of draft capital to make that move. As a GM who's probably getting close to my seat, getting a little hot, I've got to make one more big move to try to save my, you know what, and that might be a Mitchell Trubisky type of signing at this point. So it does, it makes a lot of sense in that aspect, if I, if, just in my opinion, and that could be way off base, but you know, I, I think Trubisky's name is has been very hot coming out of the combine. I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna sign a pretty decent little contract somewhere. I just don't know where that's going to be yet, Brad. Yeah, I think he'll sign a one-year deal for, you know, maybe 13 to 15 million uh, range. And I do think he makes sense in India. I guess one potential wrinkle, you know, depending what happens with Wentz, is that uh, Trubisky and Carson Wentz share an agent. So maybe that complicates matters a little bit, but, you know, who knows? All right. Jordan, you got anything else? I was going to say, do I have time for just one more? Yeah, real quick. Uh, yeah, I'll be super quick. I admittedly, I don't know why I have such a fascination with Justin Reed, but the honest to God, he's like my favorite free agent in the pool. Kind of a question to you as a Texans fan. How do you view Justin Reed? Do you think he returns to Houston? And then for Brad, any chance in hell that they pair that Ryan Poles signs a Justin Reed to pair up with Bojack in the back end? Thanks, fellas. I think Justin Reed, I think it's like 50 50. I think it's a the team probably have given him a rough number, the team being the Texans. I think they've given him a rough number of what they can offer him. And we'll say, go to the market and see what you can find. And if you're not getting what you want, this number, this contract will be here waiting on you. And will that, I don't know what the number is that Texans have given him, but if I had to guess, it's probably not a number that Justin Reed is happy about. So I would suspect that he's gonna find a, a contract that meets his meets his liking, or at least it'll be above what the Texans are offering out on the open market. So there's a chance he could return, but I think it's a very low percentage chance. Yeah, going from from Lovey Smith's current team to, to his old team in Chicago, you know, I suppose so. Uh, he's a different player than Eddie Jackson. Um, you know, not not quite the ball hawk. Um, I don't know though. He he does. He's an interesting guy to monitor. As I tried to work through his free agency, he's kind of from his rookie season to now. He's done a lot of different things. He has played a lot in the deep third. They they tried to use him differently. It's a hard answer. I'm obviously not giving a good one, but um, I don't know. They they need to add a safety opposite Eddie Jackson, and maybe they explore something like Reed, who I don't think you know gets a substantial offer by any stretch of the imagination. Excellent. Thank you so much, fellas. I appreciate the excellent space. Appreciate it. Brad, you got to run, or 
I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna hop off after yeah. this one. Yeah. No, go ahead. Um, I was gonna bring on Mike because I wanted to pick his brain a little bit about the Deshaun Watson thing. So, if you want to hang hang on and listen, you can. If not, I I appreciate your time, sir. I know we allotted an hour and we went an hour and a half, so I appreciate you hanging on for a little bit longer. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I am gonna listen and then I, then I'll hop off. <laughs> All right, let's see here. Let me see if I can get Mike in here. Mike Meltzer, I sent you speaking rights. See if you can join in. I have a question for you, sir. I'm excited. Okay. All right, Mike, we'll catch up later. All right. Well, so we've, that's went through everything. So I appreciate Brad's time tonight. I know we had planned on covering some Texans defensive free agent targets, and I apologize for not getting to those, but just the bulk of the news that really came through today, you know, it just, you know, that to me was felt like something we really need to talk about. We've got, you know, another week for free agency. So, you know, make sh- if you want, I'll, I'll think I'll just write about it this week. You know, I wrote about the free agency side last week as well. So, but I'll get a little more detailed on the defensive side of free agency this year of what the Texans could be looking at. So it's, it's cap and trade on Substack. So it's cap and Feel free to subscribe to that. It's a free newsletter, so I send it out like once a week. Plus, the podcast is is published through that, so you'll get notifications of that as well. So, you know, I'll definitely try to get some information out about that. So, you know, we went an hour and a half. Usually go for an hour. So, Brad, I appreciate your time, sir. Um, I know the next eight days are going to be extremely busy and crazy for you. They're going to be extremely busy and crazy for me entering in all that contract data with Jason. So, you know, look forward to it and I appreciate your time and, and, uh, I'm sure we'll talk very soon, sir. Godspeed. All right. Well, we will, with that, we will shut it down and everybody have a wonderful night. Thank you for listening. Thank you.